Hello and welcome to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB and I'm here today with Chef Christy Desher or Christiane Desher. I want to say the formal introduction. And Christy and I have been friends since we started working at Bouchon. So welcome, Chef Christy. How are you today? Hey, Kat. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, of course. You know that um, you started calling me cat dog. That's where it first came from at Bouchon. Yes. And I continue to call you cat dog. <laughs> I remember it started that somebody said, it's because you have a cat and a dog. And I think I looked at that person and I was like, uh, no, that's not it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. For me, I just started calling you that and it just stuck. So um, I don't know. I call you it all the time. Is it weird for you? I don't know. I never asked you. Um, no, I think it's funny. But as soon as as soon as the pastry chef at Bouchon started calling me cat dog, I'm like, wow, this is the thing now. This is the thing. <laughs> well, I did it first. So there you go. It you did it first? Thing. I think so. First of all, I want to say... I have always been in awe of you because you've always had like three jobs, you have kids, you run the household, you always have projects on the side as far as baking, and I really don't know how you do it all. I have like one job, I have no <laughs> kids, I do that job all day, and last night I slept 10 hours. Like how? <laughs> oh my gosh, I would love 10 hours of sleep. Holy moly, that would be amazing. I'm not um, saying 10 hours is normal. That may be my <laughs> fantasy. I'm just going to say it out there. 10 hours of sleep is like a dream. Um, I mean, thanks for being in awe of me, but I, I would say, like, I've, I'm like a Capricorn to the max. Like, I think I'm probably the hardest worker I know because I do it to myself like a, sometimes like an idiot I I'm like oh yeah you need that done sure I'll do it on top of my 14 other things that I have to do that day you know but um it's just it's just who I am I've always had two three jobs at a time I went to culinary school while while also having two three jobs at the same time while having a fiance at the time and now I have two kids and a husband and uh, my children have 500,000, um, you know, extracurricular activities that they do every single freaking day, it feels like. So um, I think I feel like if I'm not constantly doing something, I'm forgetting to do something. Like, what should I be doing right now? Oh, I don't have anything to do. This is not happening. That can't be, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I'm, I'm just the ultimate overachiever, I think. I mean, I understand that because I always have things planned, but I feel like you have things planned. On top of plans. I have plans on top of plans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk about um, culinary school because you, I remember mm -hmm. you started out not studying culinary, right? So yes, I went, I got my bachelor's degree in cinema television arts uh, at CSUN in, um, in Northridge, California. And I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. Like 
we all kind of do. Um, but I, I eventually wanted to get into uh, producing and writing and I wanted to do uh, possibly radio. And so that's what I was going to school for. And this was, you know, I started college in 1999. And when I was going to CSUN, it's like everything was still analog, which is crazy to talk about now because everything's digital. But back then we were learning everything analog. And uh, I did all my film classes and my, my television production classes and things like that at CSUN. And I loved it. And I got to PA for, um, you know, uh, one of the first seasons of Big Brother. And I ended up, you know, it was these crazy hours, crazy hours. It was just nuts. And I was like, I can't. There's no way I could I could do this like this was awful. And it was actually the the it's it's pretty like demoralizing when you're starting out in anything, I think, you know, even coming down to our industry. But when you're talking about film and TV, it's just like, no, I know, but you're the runt. True. But you just but you just said that, though. And I feel like that's starting out in the kitchen, too, though. I mean, for for sure. Like when you said that in the long hours, I'm like, what? This is the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I ended up up in the same. Yeah, exactly. But I'm like, no, I can't do this. This is crazy hours. This is I I can't plan anything around this. I'm like the (laughs) Uber planner. I'm like always planning everything. Everything has to be scheduled in my life. I'm very like a scheduled person. I'm a planner. And I'm like, I can't. No, I don't want to do this. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. So I swapped over to media management when I was there. I graduated. And um, I'm a career change. Wait, what did you say? Go ahead. Oh, media management. Yeah. Media mm-hmm. management. Okay. Under the cinema television arts kind of umbrella, I switched over to media management. It just let me graduate a little bit quicker. And um, I was already working full time, like while I was going to college, I was working in the mortgage industry. And I was there since I was 19. Um, They hired me on full time. And I just kept getting promoted, promoted. And, you know, I worked in a little cubicle, and I would answer phones all day, and I would go through files. And I ended up becoming a trainer for them and traveling a lot. I, it was a great job for somebody who wanted to do that for a living, but I absolutely hated it. I just, I hated it. It wasn't, it, you know, it didn't give me the fire. Like I didn't love it. So, um, well, so what, so then what happened? How did you switch to culinary? Well, after I graduated college, I'm like, this, it has to get better than this. Right. It's just, <laughs> I mean, is this it? And I was like, I felt like I was going through my quarter life crisis. So I was like, this cannot be it. Like I graduated college, I have a full-time job. And you know, I bought my first condo, I was 21 years old when I bought my first condo. And I was like, this can't be it. Like, I just totally wasn't fulfilled. I was not happy. And um, you know, my my boyfriend at the time, uh, who's now my husband, he, he was like, you love cooking, you love doing all this, you love working in restaurants, you've been working in restaurants, you know, since you were 15, why don't you pursue that for, you know, your job? Wait, so as you were in college, you were working in restaurants? Yeah, I would work in restaurants every weekend. I was working actually for a Jewish deli. I worked at a Jewish deli for five years and I just loved it. I love the whole, like, I would do front of the house, try to help him, you know, out in back of the house as much as I could. But usually it was, you know, in the front, I was hosting, um, sometimes doing a little bit of serving, doing 
all that helping out with deli and um i loved it it was just extra money for me uh it let me still be involved in food somewhere somewhat um but i didn't think it would be a you know forever job for me for sure well yeah i mean it's the same thing for me like i started out in performing arts and then throughout right i was constantly in restaurants but it's mm -hmm. funny because looking back you realize oh you've been doing it your whole life so same with right you yeah i mean i was always surrounded by that and you know going way way back like my dad and my mom when i was born had a kind of a fast food kind of like chinese koreans like kind of like a panda express nowadays um but they had it in westwood westwood la kind of was born into the kitchen um so they were running that while i was a baby and so i was always in the kitchen my mom said she would put me in a little seat for me to sit there while she's peeling vegetables and and prepping out things for lunch service so i kind of was born into the kitchen if you want to call it that <laughs> and she just it was always surrounding me my, my parents are both great cooks so it was just food was just always an important part of my life i didn't think it was a profession but i just thought hey it's it's just what i love what i do and i'm just gonna you know pursue that i think it is comforting you know it just brings comfort yeah 100 you know like feeding yeah. people around a table it's just and i you know that was really taught to me at an early age from my mom my mom anybody who was there it's like she would feed them my mom's a great cook. She always wanted everybody to be fed and involved and around that table. So to me, that's a very important part of how I was raised. Yeah, I was I was working at a Jewish deli since I was, I think I got hired on by them when I was 16, 16 or 17, I was working there. Before that, I was working um, like fast food places, but always food related, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um yeah, so so after I graduated college, I really wanted to find what was next. And then, you know, my boyfriend at the time was just like, do it, you know, I'll support you, you know, and you, we can see each other whenever just go do that because that's important. I investigated culinary schools and then I enrolled in Le Cordon Bleu in Pasadena, but I was culinary. Mm -hmm. I was not pastry. I actually hated pastry. I wanted nothing to do with pastry when I was in my culinary classes Wait, why? and I would constantly <laughs> say this is the dumbest this is the dumbest crap ever. Um, Wait, what do you mean? Like why? I you know, it's just it wasn't my thing. I'm I was like I'm going to have an Asian fusion restaurant. Uh, I'm very much a taste and add more of things. Here we go, you know, this and that. And pastry is very not that as you know so it's like everything's very mm -hmm. like by the recipe formula and then once you know how the formula works you can tweak it but until you know exactly you can't change it like we both know and um mm -hmm. i was just like ah, no mm -mm. like anybody can do pastry i'm not doing that i'm gonna cook for a living <laughs> you're a typical chef know, typical right? chef to say right yeah seriously pastry takes more dedication than regular cooking i just want to say which i'm sure you know now cat <laughs> dog of course i know now let's just be honest no you know i i loved the culinary side it's like my heart i just love cooking as you do too which is you know part mm -hmm. of you too you love cooking you're a great cook i just love cooking and i love feeding people you know again 
passed down from my mom. My mom loves cooking and, and feeding people. So it was just ingrained in me to feed other people. And I, I love doing that. And when I went to culinary school, I didn't enjoy pastry until I took my pastry classes. Mm. Once I took my second pastry class that I had to take in culinary, I was like, damn, I really like this. Like, I I really enjoyed it. Like, once we get past the breads and all that kind of stuff that you really need patience and um, time, and sometimes the yeast works, sometimes it doesn't. And mm. once you realize how it all works, I was like, I love this. I think it's part of my whole, like, organized mind that has to always, like, have everything, you know, down. I was like, I really loved it at, after I went through the class. So. Mm. It really changed the attitude of pastry to me once I took my pastry classes. Nice. Well, but so you went for culinary for two years, right? Right. Yeah. So I was in the two-year program for culinary, and then I had to do my externship, which was like six months. Um, yeah. And I ended up doing it. I was working in a, a, a Italian restaurant, and then I was also working at the production kitchen at school. So I was, I was um, doing all like the high-volume baking. Um, which I loved. I loved learning how to do that part of it. And I think that really turned me on to like doing pastry more high volume style. You know how some of us go into restaurants and we, we're more like plating and prepping the dessert station and, and doing all that and coming up with those beautiful desserts. And then some of us go into hotels, some of us go into catering where it's more high volume and you're doing a lot more just mass amounts of mm -hmm. like the same thing, but everything looks identical. And that takes a lot of patience and dedication too, because getting everything to look the same is hard. For sure. And sometimes you need what, like 400 to a thousand right. of each. Yeah. Which are crazy numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I know that some hotels, they order a lot of stuff already made and then they're just plating it. Right. I think a lot of places are doing that now. You know, I, I think finding genuine pastry chefs at hotels and things like like the role that you play, it's much harder to find nowadays because cutting corners, buying things is so easy and and cheaper. Yes, but the quality is not there. That's just what it. Right. <laughs> just right. want to say. I will a thousand percent agree with you on yeah, that. Yeah, don't X dog. my job yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Um, okay, so I just want to say that you are in California and I'm in Colorado, and the magic—that's the magic of uh, technology—we're having this conversation, this interview. So we got to know each other working at Bouchon, and for me, that was my second job out of culinary school, and. What, which job was that for you? Oh, I was already pastry chef at a restaurant in Hollywood. This was like my fourth or fifth job out of culinary school. Wait, so why did you, because we, I was just a pastry cook. Like, why did you take this kind of step down? Because um, I wanted the name on my resume. <laughs> which does make a big difference. I've noticed. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. You... I'm just saying. Um, that's a really good question. The reason why it's because, you know, I was working nights, um, as a pastry chef at a restaurant in Hollywood for, he's now a very good friend of mine, amazing chef, chef Andre Guerrero. And, uh, I was always a big fan of his. I ended up going and 
um, you know, asking him for a job at his restaurant, Max, in um, Encino at the time. He was opening this restaurant in Hollywood. He said, hey, do you want to come be my pastry chef? I was like, yes, in a heartbeat. Mm. Although, you know, it was much farther away and the traffic situation sucks. And anybody who drives in L.A. kind of knows, like... It makes you kind of want to die at rush hour when you're trying to get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, for him, I was like, yes, in a heartbeat, I will come and work for you. You know, one thing in our industry is once you work for a chef and you really like gel, love them yeah. and you gel. Yes. And you guys are like compatible and you enjoy working with them, which is not something that happens every it's day. Rare. Like, it's you know. rare. I just want to. Yes. <laughs> Go close to the microphone. No, seriously. <laughs> seriously, it's hard. Uh, yeah, let's just be honest. This industry is tough. Yeah. And if we, you work with a chef that you enjoy and you like, you know, that that's a great relationship. Yeah. And so I loved working for Andre. He's still a great friend of mine. Um, I still look up to him as an amazing chef. You know, in a heartbeat, I said yes. So it's like, you know, I was already working there at evenings. It wasn't like full time for me. So I was like, uh, I saw the position open up at Bouchon and I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is literally Thomas Keller. Like, I, I mean, yeah. you can't really get any better than Thomas Keller. Let's just be quite honest. Um, in our industry, he's, he's one of the top. I want, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's a yeah, purist, just amazing. Um, so yeah. I wanted to work in a kitchen that was like that cal caliber. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I applied, they hired me on the spot. The rest is history. You know, we were part of that opening team, which was amazing. Yeah. It was an amazing experience, but you know, I have mixed feelings. <laughs> I know. I know. Hold on. Hold on. We'll switch to Bashan. We'll switch back to Bashan in a second. Cause I want to know. How did you, how did you get to become a pastry chef? You know, cause I feel like sometimes that can take a while. Yeah. You know, it can take a while and that's, you know, a, a really good point to bring up. Like when do you start calling yourself mm. a chef? Right. Um, you know, as now I'm an educator, which we'll get to later, but, um, I have a feeling, you know, when students graduate school and they go to culinary school and they come out, they're like, oh, now I'm a chef. Cause I'm, I graduated from school. Mm -hmm. We know that's not that's not what it is. No. You're 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 a cook, right? You're a cook. Let's just be quite honest. Yeah. You are a freaking cook. <laughs> I mean, you've learned techniques, but it doesn't you've mean you've learned. Yeah. You've learned the basics, right? Yeah. You don't become a chef until you run your own station. You run your own kitchen, you run your own area and you've been given that title. So I was just a pastry cook for Andre. I worked, you know, with his um, with his pastry chef, Jan Purdy. I worked with her for years and for with her, I was, you know, pastry cook. And then when he brought me on, it's like I got to do all the desserts. I got to, you know, order what I needed. I got to kind of come up with the the menu. I got to run that station and that's when, you know, I kind of became pastry chef there. Mm. I mean, it was, it was a small, I mean, let's just talk about the station. <laughs> every, let's just talk about was, every, every pastry uh, station though. Every pastry station. I just want to say that. Okay. Continue. We get the shaft. <laughs> let's just, let's just be quite honest. 100%. We get the shaft when I, yeah. yeah, we get the shaft when it comes to pastry, right? <laughs> it's always the, the, the last department mm -hmm. to go home where the, we're like, 
ultimately dumped on. Mm-hmm. Anything that needs fixing comes from the pastry department, right? For sure. We send out a free freaking dessert. Yeah. Because someone else screwed mm-hmm. up on the line. If someone's unhappy. <laughs> yeah, always. Always. Yes. <laughs> yes. So my station was literally on top of a low boy. So I had a, a freezer. <laughs> You know, like I had a low boy freezer that would open. It was probably like a three by three little tiny thing. So on top, I had a little square. Yeah, that's Um, nothing. And yeah, that was my pastry station. It had my mixer on there. That was my freezer. Like I, all my stuff had to fit in that little tiny freezer and then everything else had to go into the big walk-in. And I i mean, that was literally it. It was tiny. So when people complain to me that they have this little room or this little area, I'm like, please, <laughs> just shut your mouth right now. Because you do not know what it's like to run a pastry station on a low boy that's like a two and a half by two and a half square. Seriously, I so don't. shut your mouth. I don't know that. <laughs> like all my stuff was up above like all my prep I remember in deli cups right above my station Mm -hmm. it was like my ingredients I had to walk all the way around to get anything that I needed it was just like it was a pain yeah and it's like did I complain no I didn't because guess what like that's kind of the hand we're dealt a lot of times and we just have to make it work right and if you and if let's say it's your first like kind of serious job and you start complaining then that's what you're known as in the industry like a complainer really right um yeah and it was you know it was a gastropub it's not like we were doing some like way intricate desserts like i think my most i did a lot of bread puddings i did a lot of like um uh we had this lemon uh, mascarpone cake that i made that was just lovely and wonderful and i i still think about that all the time because that was my favorite dessert there and um you know, we just did simple things. So it wasn't like it was a super yeah. elaborate where I needed a ton of space, but. Okay, but you also didn't have to roll anything out on top of your low boy? Cause. Right, <laughs> um, other than like cookies and things like that. Like if I was making shortbread or something, um, if I was running a special, then I would maybe have to do that, but not really. I didn't really, I wasn't making laminated doughs. I wasn't making anything like that. So Okay. I didn't necessarily need a ton of space but let's not say that too loud (laughs) okay so from there so then that's when you looked into Bouchon like that's when you heard about it when you were working there yes okay yeah so I think I think even I had a chef instructor that sent me um you know uh the ad saying that they were hiring and I Mm. was like oh my gosh yeah same here Keller's restaurant yeah, same I'm here. Like, I had a chef instructor send me there. Yeah. Okay. So- I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna get this job. There's, there's no way. I mean, that's Thomas Keller. And then here I go into the interview, and he <laughs> hires me before we're even done with the, um, the interview. I was like, okay. Wait, okay. Thomas Keller interviewed you, or? No, no, okay, no. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, I just, I just want to say me. that didn't happen to me. That didn't happen to me. <laughs> You're like, no. What the, what the heck? I was like, what the hell? Okay, so. I was part of the opening team, as you were, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was maybe, we started out maybe like 10 people, something like that, 10, 10 people in pastry. I think there was like eight, eight to 10. Yeah, hours, well, maybe. a few people dropped out pretty quickly because they couldn't handle. Yes. Um, and yeah, it was a lot. Let's just be quite honest. It was a lot. Yeah. And in the beginning, we had to team up in pairs and basically because the, sh- you know, the pastry chef 
couldn't kind of watch over us all the time because he was doing breads and whatnot. So we had to team up in pairs and we were never, we never teamed <laughs> up together. You know what? <laughs> I just want to say, I just want to say, because we were part of the opening team. So before Bouchon was even open, we had to start practicing recipes. And Christy here always gave me an, like the weird eye as if I was <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, I'm getting weird vibes from this woman. Like, uh, I don't know about her. <laughs> and then I would always like avoid you. I don't know. <laughs> Gosh. Like, I just want to say. It's so funny. Yeah, let's just be quite honest. We did not like each other when we met each other. No, and I don't know why. And that's a story I love. I love to tell this story, Kat, because it's like, <laughs> I <laughs> I remember looking at you one day and I was like, oh God, this girl thinks she knows everything. Here we go. What the F? <laughs> I thought that about you. Don't pair me with this girl. Please don't pair me with this girl. And then one day we got paired together. I was like, oh, here we go. I remember that. And it was so easy. Oh, like, right? We got everything done. We, got it. we were super early. Like we got everything done fast. And we just looked at each other and we're like, Oh, we did that super fast. <laughs> no way. Before that day happened, I had to clock in, you know, manually and you were behind me and I could I could feel your eyes like piercing into my head and I kept messing up. Um, and then you like you were like ugh, like you like made this sound <laughs> and I was like, God, damn it. Like, she... <laughs> like. <laughs> And then I finally clocked in and you like rolled your eyes and then you like clocked in. <laughs> at yeah. all. I do not remember, I remember this it. at all. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah. And then we finally worked together and then, and then we were like we were really good friends. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny because I think we're very similar in a lot right. of ways. Yes, we are. And it was like, you know, I was like, oh, here we go. This girl thinks she knows everything. But then, you know, <laughs> once we like work together, we're like, OK, we're both hard workers. So it was like, oh, we got mm -hmm. we got it all done. Great. And like, well, yeah. Yeah. You know, we were like, OK, you get the wet. I'll get the dry. You know, it was like good teamwork. Right. 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 And I mean, I think that's the hard part, too, about working um, <clears throat> as a team in pastry you don't get along with everybody. You know what I mean? It's right. not that easy. But if you mm -hmm. can have a good plan, I think that's, for me in Bouchon, I started getting really good kind of managerial skills because once we had the recipes down, they weren't difficult. You know, they're very like purist kind of recipes, right. uh, traditional. Mm -hmm. It wasn't so much creative. Um, so we really just made our own lists and made sure that everything was done. And I think that's part that was a little misleading because remember in the beginning, it was like we were doing parties. We were doing a ton of little tiny little like miniardies. Kind of. Yeah, just miniardies and little like things to set up on on like pastry buffets, all, all for the grand opening events mm -hmm. and all these different events that they were hosting and stuff. So that was really fun to do all these different kind of things. And then once I think they got in the the opening and really getting into what we're doing on a daily it's like i think that's when people started dropping and like we we had to like pick up the slack because they kept losing people right well you know and also 
even some of the basic things people couldn't do very well. It's like, yeah, it's a little surprising how <laughs> many people cannot do simple things in pastry. I mean, it's, it's just, and you know, the people that were getting hired after we did, let's just be quite honest. We were getting paid 10 bucks an hour, right. To work at this very yeah. prestigious kitchen, mm -hmm. Uh, with a very prestigious name attached to it. And, you know, the cool thing it was mm -hmm. he was there every every day in the opening, remember? He was, yeah. Chef Keller was there every single day. And it, it was like he was a presence in the kitchen. For sure. And I think that part was very um, inspiring to see, a, a, you know, young cooks and chefs at our level when we were there. It was like everybody was treated with, with a lot of respect yeah. by him mm -hmm. and by the staff. Um, it's just, you know, once he wasn't in the kitchen all the time and things, the quality of things just started dwindling a little bit, you know, which was very unfortunate. You feel like quality of the recipes or staff or everything? I think everything, just the staff, you know, we, I mean, we were getting paid 10 bucks an hour to work in this prestigious kitchen. And then we, they were hiring people to come in and they were getting paid more than us. And we were having to train them and they were I trained them mm -hmm. they were train wrecks it was it yeah. was just yeah we we could tell that they weren't going to work out well i remember too the managers and when we were opening they were they were using cocaine do you remember that yeah oh yeah <laughs> i sure do i sure do yeah i mean well i stayed there a year i stayed there a year you stayed there yeah how long uh it was a few months it was after that um, incident with the pine nut dough. Remember? <laughs> yes. The pine nut dough incident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because well, it was a lemon tart where we had to make a lemon sabayon where we had to whisk it by hand for like 40 minutes. No, let's just be honest. Sometimes it took an hour and a half. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> so let's just give everybody a picture of what we were like. So we were they had this huge pot of simmering water, right? We we had to cook this lemon huge. huge. We had to cook this lemon custard over a bain marie. So over a pot of simmering water, we had to cook this like mm -hmm. huge amount of of just lemons and eggs and just everything. We had to basically we had a huge giant whisk and we had to whisk it for literally forty five minutes to incorporate air. But to get up there, we'd have to, we'd all be standing on step stools, like on the second or third step up and just be whisking this yeah. huge metal whisk, balloon whisk over and over for an entire, <laughs> probably almost an hour. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was ridiculous. Let's just be quite honest. It was just, it was, it was, yeah, it was a well, lot. Well, it filled four tarts. And these tarts had a pine nut crust, yeah, which was delicious. It was a whole bunch of butter and pine nuts, which are both expensive. Right. But I don't know how to like begin this, but but the <laughs> it, and it was a huge batch of dough, and it was basically left out overnight. Oh my gosh! Because yeah, the chef didn't want it to harden. Someone was lazy. The chef didn't want it to harden yep. in the morning. No, the chef was lazy. Damn. And he didn't want to go make room in the walk-in for it and people were supposed to sheet it out in the morning you know put it through our sheeter machine um to cut and fill the tarts you can sheet it when it's cold yes you can sheet it when it's cold it's even better when it's cold because then it has like time to set and then you know it's more yeah. it doesn't break as easily right yeah 
And here's the problem with it when it was sitting out. Mm. It has eggs in it. And mm. as we know, it had a lot of eggs in it. Mm -hmm. And it had all that pine nuts and just a lot of fat. Great product. Yeah, a lot of fat. And so when you let it sit out mm. in that kind of warm room, because it was a bread baking room, you know, yeah. and it sat there and all the fat started leaching out because the butter was melting. I remember. And it was dripping everywhere. And yeah, it was there. Like I made the dough the day before mm -mm. and he asked me to leave it out. So I did. Mm -mm. And I came back the next day in the morning. It was the same spot. No one had put it in the fridge. And so I said something. I'm like, this has eggs in it. Damn. And I remember the chef, he just said, um, why don't you do what you're told? And I said, are you are you serious? Like this, this dough has a lot of eggs in it and it's totally greasy right now because no one refrigerated it and all that butter leached out of it. And once it leaches out, you can't put it back in. Like, it's just, that's that's it. And he was just like, um, did you not hear me? Can you just do your job? And I said, yeah, can you take this job and just, you, you know, here's my two-week notice. What, you said that? Yeah. I didn't realize. I sure did. I said, if you're going to compromise people's health health like this, I'm, I'm, I'm totally good not working here. So enjoy yourself. Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry. When someone compromises something like that, one, it's the recipe that's compromised, but two, you're right. You're endangering people's, you know, lives. Someone who could eat that, it was it was all that eggs. I, I can't even remember how many eggs were in there. It was like yeah. probably a good three, four dozen eggs in that whole recipe. Yeah, it's called uh, it it's called danger zone. <laughs> yeah. Like <hell. laughs> yeah. And now I mean I'm a I'm a surf safe mm -hmm. instructor mm -hmm. and a proctor and I'm just, it makes my skin crawl. Like thinking how someone could just nonchalant be like, do your job. I'm like, it's disgusting. Do you feel like in that scenario, being a woman in the industry made a difference? No, I think it was the fact that I had another job and I, I mean, he was the pastry chef there. I was the pastry chef somewhere else. I was kind of working a lesser position there because I wanted the name under my belt and, you know, I wanted to work in that kitchen. So I think him knowing that I kind of knew what I was doing mm. um, was intimidating to him, especially like I would call him out on things mm -hmm. and he didn't appreciate it. He didn't like it. And I remember I gave him my two week notice. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to work somewhere that they don't care about, you know, one, the quality and two, keeping people safe from what they're eating. Which is crazy, though, because, I mean, Bouchon is known for quality. Like, I mean, it is known for quality, but... <sighs> I know. Yeah. I had a big issue with him, pastry chef. I mean, he just was very passive-aggressive. He was just... And that's something in our industry that's very common, I think. Sure. In our industry, especially men in the kitchen, especially men in a chef or, you know, a higher position tend to talk down to people mm -hmm. and especially talk down to women. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I don't put up with that crap. I don't. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel that too. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you know, you're talking to two women right now, you and I, very strong women in the kitchen, I would say. Um, I think that's why we, you and I clashed initially when we met is because we are strong individuals and we're confident in what we know. Mm -hmm. And I think to some men in the kitchen, it's intimidating, mm -hmm. you know, especially to men that are, I'm not going to say inferior, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say that 
um, men that are also very self-conscious about about their role in the kitchen yeah. and, and, you know, their knowledge. For sure. I mean, arrogance is a big word for a lot of chefs in the kitchen. Right. You know? Right. I mean, for sure, I deal with that. And I think we all do. Now? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so after you left Bouchon, mm-hmm. you went back to the place you had were still working at. But then you continued on and you became a chef instructor, uh, I mean, a while back, right? Yeah. So um, I was working where I was. Uh, I was working for a restaurant in Hollywood and um, I worked there until I was seven months pregnant with my son until I basically couldn't work anymore in a hot kitchen. Yeah. After I couldn't work anymore, I took uh, maternity time off and then the restaurant closed while I was on maternity leave. Was it hard for you being pregnant in the kitchen? Like, <clears throat> were you viewed differently or anything like that? Luckily in the kitchen I was at, um, they were really great to me. You know, like they could tell, like I was, ugh, I was due with my son in November and I remember it was August, the air conditioning unit broke mm-hmm. on the restaurant. And so the kitchen was probably 105 degrees with all the ovens on. We had a pizza oven. We had everything on in the kitchen, you know, and the pastry station was right next to the line. So it was just very hot. Man, I walked in that kitchen that day and they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry that um, the air's broken and we're trying to get someone out to fix it. But I mean, it was like 100 degrees in L.A., <laughs> you know, on a random day in August. Yeah. You know how it gets like just hot and just gross. Yeah. And so we were trying to find someone to come in and fix it. For sure. They didn't have anybody yet. So I still had to prep out what I needed to. I think it was every 10 minutes I had to leave that kitchen and go sit down and take a drink of mm-hmm. like glass mm-hmm. of water because it was like I was I mean, I was pregnant. So I was already overheating. I was in my chef coat and I was just pouring sweat and I was like shaking to the point where I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then mm-hmm. all the guys on the line were like, you need to go sit down like you don't look OK. You need to go sit down. And they were all very supportive. And I mean, all of us, you know, when you're working in kitchen and you're just in that groove and in that dance, um, you know, everybody supports each other. And I think in that, Mm -hmm. if you're not supported, you need to find another kitchen to work in, you know? And I felt very supported and I left. And, you know, when I went on maternity leave, I was sad to hear that the restaurant closed, you know, I didn't know if I was going to come back when my son was born, but, you know, I was sad to hear that it had, it had shut down, Mm. you know, they, they moved locations and it just didn't work out. So then how long after did you return to work? Um, I was, you know, me and my 14 jobs, um, I was still working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was working for a, uh, catering company. So I would still go in after my son was born. I was working for that, uh, catering company on and off a couple days a week. So it was a little while before I went back full time into any position. I took the being a mom role very, very much to the forefront of what I was doing because Mm -hmm. it was my first time becoming a mom. I had my son. I wanted to be present, you know, so I think that's one thing that women really struggle with. I mean, I wanted to be in the kitchen. I want to work like that's like my ultimate. It drives me like that. It's what gets me out of bed. But after I had my son, it's like my whole, my whole life changed. Like I, I, I didn't want to work these crazy hours in Hollywood coming home at two o'clock in the morning, you know, 
with pepper spray walking to my car in my hand in case a bum came up to me and sure. and you know accosted me on the street which would happen you know i'd have to, i'd have park four blocks away and have to mm -hmm. you know i had my little pocket knife in my hand walking to my car it's reality when you when you leave a kitchen at two three o'clock in the morning because you know mm. pastry we're the last people to leave we're the last people to leave and it's la you know it's when people walk, you don't really see people walking. Yeah. People are always driving. So when you see right. somebody walking, you're pretty much the only person walking. And it's always a bit sketchy. That's correct. I remember because when I was serving, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was serving mm -hmm. the Cheesecake Factory and I was wearing all white. Like, how obvious is that? You know, I put my money in my shoe yep. for my tips and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll walk. Like... <laughs> Like it's so sketchy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I had someone, you know, follow me to my car once and I was I was pregnant at the time, someone followed me. And so I would just I had my my chef knife and I would carry it in my jacket. What? Like so I could just take it out. Like it was in a knife guard. But I had my it, you know, I would carry it in my my jacket arm pocket so I could just whip it out if I needed to because I got followed to my car. Damn. I mean, I had someone try to attack me with a machete once when I was in my car. It was just like these crazy stories. Jesus. And you just gotta, you gotta watch your back. And you know, in LA, you just really gotta watch your back. There's weirdos everywhere. I mean, I find it in every city. I mean, New York. Oh yeah. I mean, there's crazies everywhere. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So then when did you return back to work? Like what made you be like okay because is that why you got into as a chef instructor because it had more regular hours yeah you know i um applied for the chef instructor position like two years before i was even hired so yeah it was probably around the time my son was one or two years old i'm like i was home a lot with him and i was working part-time and i was like very happy i i'm really happy i took the time off to be with him because mm. It's just that's time you're never going to get back with your, you know, your kids. Right. To me, that was important. So I wanted to put that first. Well, now he's like an adult. I mean, how fast did he grow up? Jeez. <laughs> like, well, he's 12 now. So, yeah. No, but he looks like 20. Like, he looks like, you know, 12 going know. on His 21. Face. Like. <laughs> His face is changing so much. Yeah. It's like he's in that, like, becoming a teenager stage now. And I'm just, mm. I look at him now and I'm like... Mm. It's so incredible to look at him and see all these thoughts and, you know, passions and things coming out of him now. I'm like, it's so cool to see him as a little, like, adult. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. I applied for chef instructor position two years before I started working there. Wait, so did they just have such a long list of people that wanted to work there? No, so they were building a new building at the oh. um, college. So we have a local college out here that had a culinary arts program and so i saw it and i was i applied for it and i'm like this is great because i get to be home with my son most of the time and you know this it was a part-time teaching position i thought this is going to be great side note when i was a kid i wanted to become a teacher i think it's because i'm so bossy or um <laughs> you know one of those things it was i like I like the whole structure of be being mm -hmm. a teacher, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I applied for it. I was interviewed like, gosh, a year and a half after I applied for it because the building was being built and we didn't have a place to teach from. Mm -hmm. So I was just waiting and I thought, well, I never heard from them. So I'm just going to do my own thing. So I was working other places. Yeah, I got the call. Mm -hmm. I interviewed for it. She hired me very very quickly 
and um, I got to be in the first, you know, christening of the building that, that I'm teaching in now. So I've been teaching there now um, eight years. February was eight years. I, I love teaching. You know, I love sharing what I like to do mm -hmm. because I've been in the trenches. I've made $10 an hour, which, you know, these kids will never make $10 an hour because now minimum wage is like $18, whatever. Mm -hmm. No bitterness here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, <laughs> I like kind of forming these minds who are pursuing this, who want to do this for a living and who really want to be there. You know, it's just cool to share what I've done before. And, and I love it. Isn't it nice to work in a brand new kitchen? Yeah. Like... I mean, like when we worked at Bouchon, that kitchen was freaking yeah. phenomenal. Like it was brand new. Yeah. State of the art, brand new millions and millions of dollars was leached into that project. And it was gorgeous. Like we know yeah. every 20 minutes we'd have to vacuum the floor <laughs> and it was I just, know. I try to tell my students that I'm like, do you know that every hour on the hour we had to stop what we were doing and vacuum the floor? <laughs> like yeah. that's what we had to do. No, but everything, if there was like a splash of something, you yeah. right away removed it, you know, like right. it was spotless all the time. Right away. Yeah. And like, and if somebody spilled something, you're like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> you know, everybody had to get out the mop. Like it was serious. It yeah. was an ordeal. Yeah. No, I remember. And it was like. I think that was great for teaching us discipline and very mm -hmm. specific things. Like even to this day, I cut my tape. Oh, you do. You know, and that's one thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll, you know, as chefs, yeah. we use tape all the time, and I still catch myself cutting tape. I still catch myself getting pissed off if people take plastic wrap and they like, like totally cut apart the the plastic wrap container. Oh my god! I'm yeah. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? It's like, because I remember somebody opened the plastic wrap mm. at Bouchon and they like just tore open the box and they were just like, it was all jacked up and they had to tape it. <laughs> and they literally took that box and threw it away. They're like, oh no, we cannot have this like all ripped up. And so now when I see somebody do I'm like, oh no, what are you doing? Like, no, we cannot do that. That's not what we do. And I catch myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Okay, so I just wanna say too, that throughout the years, we've done a few events. So like when, when I lived in LA, we kind of did our own thing. It was called Verbena Pastries. And we did yep. a couple of events for, um, what did we do events for? It yes. was like kind of movie, like we made, we made small cakes and cookies and brownies for people about to see yeah, like think... premieres and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then you came. Yeah. We did a couple of events like that in Hollywood and it was like a multicultural, like movie festival and things like that. Right. Festival. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like a better mm -hmm. word. And then when I was in Arizona and I was a pastry chef at the country club, you came out there, <laughs> you drove out there and and we did like a uh, winter in Wonderland. Yes. Desserts in Wonderland. Desserts in Wonderland. I don't even know. You still know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we planned all these desserts and we had for each station a different type of sculpture. Mm -hmm or um like yule log 
or croquembouche. Mm -hmm. The whole event was desserts only, and it was the two of us that did it. And it was a pretty right. big deal. It was. It was. It was a big ordeal. I drove. I packed my car full of everything and drove to Flagstaff. What was that? Like an eight-hour drive? Yeah, it was like seven and a half around there. Yeah, I just remember getting out of the car, and it was like mm -hmm. three degrees. And you're like, yeah, this it is so cold. So freaking cold. And I was like, Kat, yeah. you live here? Like, I'm not built for this. I'm, I'm a California girl. I am not built for this. And you're just like, yeah, yeah let's move all the stuff into the walk in. I'm like, let's just leave it in the car because it's like three degrees out here. Well, but then it would have frozen. Yeah. I mean, I think flags have trained me to now be an Aspen yeah, because there's even so. more snow. No, I think I think Switzerland trained you for Aspen. <laughs> what did so Flagstaff train me for Switzerland? Yeah, I think Flagstaff oh, yeah. trained you for Switzerland that trained you for Aspen. Yeah. You went from the beautiful Alps to like beautiful mountains in Aspen. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I could see that. Okay, so when you drove to Arizona we did this whole event mm -hmm. and I mean, there were less people showing up than we wanted, but still it was a big deal because we planned this whole mm -hmm. event. Yeah, it was a pretty big event. We did pre-sale tickets. I remember how many people ended up showing up. I think it was like 50 people or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was a decent amount. Yeah, it was a decent amount. It was. Well, there was some because I. I advertise on the radio too, and I think more people showed up at the door. But because this country club was outside of town, it, that's right. I think it had it been inside town, it would have been they busier. Were, yeah. But still, it was still a really nice location. It was. We did some really nice displays, like beautiful displays, and yes. you did the the gingerbread, the gingerbread house out there that you had displayed, and it was gorgeous. We did like um a, a winter. Uh, wedding cake and we did the yule log and we did yeah a ton of cookies and yeah all kinds of desserts yeah no it was fun because it was nice planning even though i was in the kitchen all day like we did stuff all day <laughs> i know we were we were in the kitchen like what was it two days straight yeah i felt it was like two days straight yeah it was a lot of work for no i mean we didn't make any money on it yeah we, it was just it was for yeah. fun it was fun. And then pretty much like when I when I moved to Arizona, I visited you a lot because I wanted to, you know, I missed L.A. and I wanted to be mm -hmm. kind of in the city more. Um, later on, I got used to being outside of yeah. L.A., but but we would always hang out and you'd always take me to different food places. <laughs> I know. You're my food buddy. You're my food buddy, cat dog. Well, well, it's like your family, like your husband, he likes like frozen stuff, right? Like, <laughs> no. I mean, my husband, I mean, he likes, he likes good food, but he also loves fast food. Yeah, like, he likes my husband fast food. loves his fast food. Like, he is a fast food junkie, which I am, I'm like the opposite. I, I am not a fast food person. Yeah. Like, if you ask me what my favorite thing at McDonald's would be, was i'd tell you the french fries because i mean who doesn't love the french fries at mcdonald's but um i literally will not eat there like there's nothing i would yeah. order there like by choice and he's just like he's like the chicken nugget king you know <laughs> he loves it and i'm just the opposite i well, i'm like look 
Let me go with cat, and we're gonna go like to some Asian food yeah. or some like, like pho cool or, yeah. ethnic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Every time I see you, know? you we gotta plan like dim sum or pho. Well, because hell yeah. We'll talk about your background. So I just remember, I just remember, I had to go with you to get your car, um, like an oil change or something. Like in LA, you have to every year. I think you have to. Um, what is it called? You have like tune your car, oh, right? Oh, smog. Smog. We have to get smog. A smog test. Yeah. And you went. That's right. You went to a Korean guy, and and he <laughs> totally, he totally hooked you up, and it was because you're also like Korean. Right. I'm I'm half Korean. Yeah. And and then you know me being like this white German whatever, <laughs> like I'm like what like I'm totally like nobody hooks me up, <laughs> so. So, like, so you were born in L.A., right? Yes. I was born in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. My dad is from Korea. He came to Santa Monica, L.A. And when he was 10. And my mom was born here in L.A. And she grew up in Santa Monica. Um, so, yeah, I was born in Santa Monica. My parents were very young when I was born. But, yeah, I'm, you know, half Korean, half Caucasian. My mom, my mom's family has been in the United States for a long time. They came, I mean, they have genealogy lineage, like back to like George Washington and, you know, my great aunt, Annie Flo, she did this great um, genealogy work and she's, she was all about it when she was living. And I mean, it goes all the way back from George Washington, all the way to Europe. I'm, I'm Irish, Scottish, uh, French and English kind of mixed on her side. Um, yeah. But yeah, on my dad's side, he's mm -hmm. pure Korean. But the interesting part is my grandmother, um, who just passed away this year, she um, grew up in Japan, but she was Korean. So she has a lot of Japanese. Like I thought, we all thought that she was part Japanese. But, um, you know, I did, I did that Ancestry.com mm. thing and we found out she was 100% Korean, but she grew up um, part of her life in Japan, spoke Japanese. She was all about Japanese food. So we grew up with a lot of Korean and Japanese influences in um, how we grew up and in our food that we were eating, all of that. And the really cool thing about my mom is, you know, my mom's a big cook. Like she, she was mm -hmm. all into that. But when she met my dad, she had to learn how to cook Korean food. And, you know, she's this little white girl <laughs> who was, you know, 17, 18 when they got married and had, she had me at mm -hmm. 18, um, fresh out of high school. Huh. It's like, she lived with my grandmother. She didn't speak the language. She didn't speak Korean. She had to learn it. So she learned how to speak Korean and really, she learned. Yeah. My mom spoke fluent Korean. Oh. She learned how to cook all the food. So she was basically like cooking all the food for my grandparents at the time, um, because she moved into their home. Like they were, they were, you know, my mom mm -hmm. was 18, my dad was 20. So it was, is that what you do like traditionally in Korea? Cause I know that's what you do like in India, for example, um, I think you do in Korea when you are the eldest son, but my dad was, the, mm -hmm. uh, my dad was the youngest. So I'm not so sure that that was part of tradition, but it was just kind of part of, um, they were, too, they were Sa saving money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were young. My, yeah. my mom yeah. and I are only, you know, 18 years apart. So, 
Mm -hmm. Um, that's the great thing about it is my mom is young, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. it's really a cool story to hear because she, she had to learn it all. You know, she learned how to speak Korean. She learned how to fully immersed in this culture, which is, you know, such a beautiful culture. But when you're coming into this with Mm -hmm. nothing behind it, she had to learn how to cook all this food. She had, she was like totally immersed in this. So it was just very, uh, I think cool on her part. Um, that she did that, you know? And even to this day, we'll go to the Korean market Mm -hmm. and someone will say something and my mom can respond in Korean, which is super cool. And um, Mm. Korean was my first language Mm. actually. Like when I was learning how to speak, Korean was my first language. Do you still? I don't remember any of it now. Okay. Mm. Mm -mm. I wish I did, Mm. but I know like the little kid words, Mm -hmm. like, Hajima and things like that, which means stop it. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what's that? Like, don't do things. I, I remember okay. all uh-huh. that stuff. Okay. Okay. I think the food the most, like that stuck with me the most. That's my comfort food is mm-hmm. Korean food. 100%. Well, well, I know you're always making kimchi. I would see. Oh man. <laughs> kimchi is like my favorite, ultimate favorite thing in the whole entire world. Like it doesn't matter what kind of kimchi it is. It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> And I make it all the time, all the time. I love it. My husband hates it. Like, he's like, please, please go outside with that. <laughs> well, it's very, it's very pungent. Like I made it a couple of times and I was like, oh, now I have to eat it. But because nobody else, <laughs> nobody else wanted it. <laughs> like... <laughs> it's very pungent. Mm-hmm. It's very pungent. And I, I just love it. I mean, it's so good for you yeah, too. It's good. But it's just, it's so good. Like, I don't know, kimchi to me, just any kind of kimchi. I just love it. Well, any fermented yeah. foods, they're just healthy. You know, it's like... Yeah, they're so good for sauerkraut. Yeah, I was going to say the so German good. version, sauerkraut. Um, oh, yeah. You know it. <laughs> well, wait, have you ever been to Korea? <laughs> I have. I was. I went to Korea. I was 17. I went to Korea when I graduated high school. We were there for like three weeks, I think. It was awesome. Kind of interesting experience because we were kind of, I was kind of in a, like mm. a, a kidnapped tour group. Oh, really? Which is a whole nother story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, my my aunt sent me and my cousins to uh, Korea for a graduation gift or something. So mm-hmm. I went when I was 17, right after I graduated, I was young. Basically, there was like 300 Korean American children that went ranging from 18 down to gosh, with the youngest was probably 10 years old and we had no supervision. What? We had, we were put on buses and they would bus us mm-hmm. all around Korea and they would pop us like 15, 20 kids to our hotel room and they would put us on a bus like all around Korea. Like I went all around. I went from North to South, like all the way to the DMZ line up North, <laughs> like separating North and South Korea. Uh-huh. And we went all the way down to South Korea, um, very, very bottom which is cool because that's where my family is from. They're from um, a city called yeah. Shinhe. And, uh, and there's a military base there. And my, my grandfather was a mm-hmm. general on that military base. So it was really cool mm-hmm. to be at that, at that, um, mm-hmm. you know, military base because he served there. Oh, wow. All in all, the, the tour mm-hmm. group was basically taking everyone's money and Vacation. just busing us around mm. we were on a bus for probably 10 15 hours a day oh wow yeah well but being in korea did you realize oh this is where a lot of the comfort food came from that you loved growing up or were there like was it the same food or was it a little different oh man 
Um, I love Korean food and it was like the ultimate, it, to me, it was like the ultimate foodie destination was Korea. Like, cause there's Korean food everywhere, mm. but then, you know, mm -hmm. at a certain point you get kind of tired of Korean food. So we were all craving a burger really bad or like fried <laughs> chicken or something. And, you know, Korean fried yeah. chicken is amazing, but it's not the same as like American fried chicken. Um, right. but it was such a, it was a really cool, weird experience because we were fully mm -hmm. immersed but it was funny seeing um as someone who is half korean half white um being of mm -hmm. mixed race being in korea i'm always looked at as an outsider you know i was looked at as like oh she's not korean she's something Wait, else even in korea even yeah. in korea they could yeah. tell like oh, they can t why when you're korean and someone is half you can tell like i think just really yeah and then when you're American or Caucasian, I think when you look at me, you look, I look Asian to you, right? But when someone yeah. is Korean or then they look at me, they always ask me like, oh, are you half or are you part? Like they always ask me. Okay. Yeah. So I think when I was there, it was like they were looking at me like I was like, obviously I'm not Korean. Mm. And there was a good handful of us like that were mixed that were like kind of looked at that way. Mm. And I couldn't speak Korean either. So that was hard. Mm. I was trying to like really try, but it was just like, not a lot of people speak mm. English in Korea. It's not like other mm. places in like Europe and things where you get a lot of people speaking English. Um, when I was there back in the 90s, it was not a lot of people spoke spoke English. It was very, I mean, except if you were in the big cities. I mean, it's the same right? in most countries, I think, like even Italy. Like I, I was like, oh, they don't speak English in this town. OK, um, <laughs> I'm like, I guess I have to try. Um, I gotta try. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so going back, tell me your favorite desserts to make. I know it's like you know, that's a hard question, but oh, still. God, why do we hate this question so much? I know, but you know, it's just like some <sighs> having a favorite dessert to eat or to make there are two different ones because maybe you just like kind of the technique or you like making it. So tell me what you think you like to make most is comforting in a sense. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, and when we, us pastry chefs hear this, they we always get asked like, oh, what's your signature? What do you, what, what are you most <laughs> known for? And I'm just like, oh gosh, here we go. I know. <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah. mm. I think what I like <laughs> making the most, like I love making laminated doughs and things like that. Like to me, cause it's mm. again, technique, very structured, very, very much, mm -hmm. um, you know, all of those things, but I like making it with a twist. So it's like my favorite thing to make is like, I like making kimchi croissants or I'll make miso, miso croissants or something. And to me, I love doing that part of it. Um, yeah. I'm kind of marrying two things that I love, which is yeah. Asian cuisine and baking, which is really nice, but yeah. also it's fun to play with flavor. Like, how mm -hmm. monotonous is our job sometimes where we're doing the same thing mm -hmm. over and over and you're like it's just so boring i know always so give me some freaking flavor <laughs> already know. like i get it how much can i use vanilla bean today no but that <laughs> <laughs> no but that sounds so right? good kimchi croissants and yeah, yeah I and I, I usually i make it every time when i teach my big two class which is coming up actually. Mm -hmm. um, I love teaching it because it's all the fun desserts that we make, you know, for a living. Mm -hmm. In this class, we make laminated dough. It's a two-day process. And then I make kimchi croissants on the side. And then 
I let them all try it. And they're just like, it's kind of like sometimes their minds are blown. Like half of them have never had kimchi before. Half of them are into kimchi, but they never thought of marrying Mm -hmm. the two things together because that's kind of a very specific thing. And I just love Mm -hmm. marrying those flavors because it's two of my Mm -hmm. favorite things. And it comes out like, if you've never had a kimchi croissant, anybody that's listening, you got to try it because it has this amazing umami flavor you know that umami that we're all trying to achieve Mm -hmm. and and get Mm -hmm. (laughs) it it ends up tasting like cheesy almost like this Mm -hmm. intense like almost cheesy there's no cheese in it it's just that intense umami with the butter that makes it Mm -hmm. so good so um yeah, that's yeah. probably my favorite thing to make. I've never had one. Oh, I gotta save you one. I'll freeze one for you, cat dog. <laughs> can you can you freeze me one, please? Yes, I will freeze one for you. Um, okay, so what's your favorite dessert to eat? Oh, I'm simple. So I like mochi and I mm. like butter mochi and I'm I I'm <laughs> Wait, butter butter mochi? I don't think Hell yeah. I've never had butter Hawaiian mochi. Hawaiian butter mochi is my favorite what? dessert of all time. That sounds so Cat. good. I know. I'm like, what is it? What am I doing? Cat dog, I am making you some Hawaiian butter mochi when you come over. Wow. That sounds so good. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's made with rice flour and it's, it's got um, sweetened condensed milk in it. And mm. it's, it's so good. It's so tasty. That's my favorite dessert of all time. I think it's not too sweet. They sell it. They sell it in Hawaii. They do. They sell it in Hawaii. I never had it in Hawaii. Hell yeah. You know what? They make so they make so many things with sweetened condensed milk. They do. And everything's delicious. Yeah. Okay, so being an instructor, what mm-hmm. advice do you like to give your students? Well, I had um, kind of a chef mentor of mine, um, Chef Michelle Richard, who has passed since passed away. But um, him and I, um, I met him when I was... Uh, kind of touring for San Pellegrino when I won that chef award. And so um, I got to meet him. He was kind of became a mentor of mine. And he told me once, cause I was asking him, um, right. he's like, what are you gonna do? Like, what's your plan professionally? Like, what, do you, what, what is it mm-hmm. that you wanna do? Cause he knew I, I was into culinary, but I was torn and I was working pastry at the time. And he did both also, which was, really cool to have a mentor that knew both sides because most of the time you don't and he said to me he's like what is it you want to do and so I was like I'm very torn I'm not sure Mm. I love cooking Mm. but I also I have this passion for baking that has been discovered that I never knew I had before but I really want to keep doing it because I'm good at it and I enjoy it and he told me don't you know don't bother with all these other places. Cause I was telling him about all these other, um, jobs coming up and things like that. And he told me, he's like, you know, don't, don't go for all these mediocre jobs. He's like, if you want to do this and you want to do pastry, he's like, go work for the best. Don't, don't waste your time working for these mediocre chefs. Cause you will become mediocre. If you want to be a great chef, go work for the best. And so that, after I got that advice from him, that's when I went and I um, sought out to work for Thomas Keller. You know, you saying that kind of gave me chills. Did it? You know, because it's true. Yeah, yeah, no, it did. I was like, oh my God. There's, there's <laughs> only been a few times in my life where mentors or teachers have given me mm-hmm. advice. And it's like, 
those moments, mm-hmm. like I, there's specifically three in my whole life that I remember. One was my seventh grade um, choir teacher. He told me, mm-hmm. like, I sang for 10 years. I don't even think you knew that about me. I didn't know that. What? You sang? Like, yeah, choir? Yeah, I was in choir from, yeah, when I was in, like, sixth, seventh grade. I was in choir, too. I just want to say I was in choir, too. We have a lot of similarities. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A lot of similarities, cat dog. Um, <laughs> okay, what did you say? But, yeah, no... In seventh grade, he told me, he's like, you're like a diamond in the rough. He told me, he's like, because I had this insane stage fright, like insane. And mm-hmm. I loved it so much, though. I was an alto and he he's like, he told me, he's like, if you don't continue singing, like, it's going to be, it's going to be great um, shame. He's like, you should, you should continue this because I see it in you. Like, you're good. He's like, you're like a diamond in the rough. You need to keep working on your craft and don't stop. Mm -hmm. And so when he said that to me, because he was a man of very few words, Mr. Leff, and that stayed with me. So I kept doing it. um, And I sang all the way through college. Uh, um, I loved it. I even was going to do music in college until I figured out that I didn't want to be a struggling musician. (laughs) And... um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I had in culinary school, my first culinary instructor, he told me, he took me aside and he's like, you know, he told me, he's like, is is this really what you want to do? Because I know you work full time already. And I said, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. And he's like, because you have this palette at this stage, really know how to pair things and get like everything balanced and things like that. He's like, if you don't keep cooking, he told me this was like the last day of class. He's like, if you don't keep cooking, it's going to be a great detriment to our industry. And to me, I was like, holy crap, this guy like has said like a whole total of five words to me the whole time. And now he's coming out giving me this like (laughs) glorious advice. But I realized he was a man of very few words and Mm -hmm. um, he didn't like anybody. (laughs) Like he was not a very Mm -hmm. nice guy. He was not, but he, he was very good at what he did. And he told me that, mm-hmm. and I was just like, wow, that stayed with me. And then after Chef Michelle Richard told that to me, I really took that to heart. So, like, when I have students and they're asking me honestly, like, hey, like, what advice do you have? Like, <laughs> I really take that to heart. And if I see that that student mm-hmm. is really good, which we can tell, like, you know, you've you've taught before. Yeah. You can tell who's going to make mm-hmm. it in the industry and who's not. Now, I would never tell somebody yeah. you're not going to make it in this. Yeah, no. I would never tell you somebody no, that. Because some chefs do. Yeah, some I'm people not, I'm do not that. that a-hole. I'm not going to I'm no. not going to do that. That's not my place. <laughs> I know it, right. but I'm never going to say it to you um, because you could always get better. You can always get better. You can always get better. Always. Some, you know, obviously, if you have an innate talent, right. it makes it easier. But obviously, when you have that innate talent, there's also other like arrogance and other issues. But even I've seen somebody who was not that good and tried so hard and was actually really good in the I know end. Who you're talking you know about. I mean, like that happens too. I know exactly who you're talking about <laughs> right now. <laughs> I know who you're talking about, cat dog. No more words are needed there. <laughs> But well, that happens too, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it certainly no, does. Then some people, like some people who you think are really good, all of a sudden they're super flaky and then they're and not. We know, you know, what I mean? we like, know some of those too. Mm-hmm, uh huh. Mm-hmm. We sure do. Mm-hmm. 
no words no, no more, more words, words are needed, needed there um but yeah no um because a person can get better yes but when you get that student mm-hmm. that's just like they get it and they have it it's like Oh, I cannot wait to, to give them that little piece of advice. Like, look, go work for the best. Go, mm-hmm. go really do something with that gift. And I think that's, that's my favorite part of teaching is seeing all these different students and, you know, seeing them get better class to class. Cause I will get them multiple times sometimes yeah. and seeing yeah. the improvement, it like, Mm-hmm. gets me so excited like I'm just like oh my gosh like yes. they're doing so well like I'm so proud of them and then at the same time yeah, I know you, you know it's like the the students that are on it and they got it and you're like gosh they're going to be the next great pastry chef it's like that's so rewarding to see too because they're refining those skills you know that they are already strong yeah. in and that's so cool to see too well I remember you know because I did um pastry course and mm-hmm. it was mainly all women and maybe like three men. How is it now? Were you teaching? Is it more diverse? Um, you know, I think the diversity on the local, like community college level now is still probably, it's still going to be three fourths women, a quarter men, I think. I always like having. Mm. It's funny because I always like having men in my cake decorating class and I always usually have one or two at least. But mm-hmm. it's funny because they come into cake decorating with all these women in there and they get very intimidated, you know, but they always <laughs> do so well. Like they mm-hmm. do so well. And I'm like, they do so well. Why are you so timid? Yeah. You are, yeah. you know, you really can refine your mm-hmm. craft to be. I, it's mm-hmm. so funny. I call it tender. So I'm like, you have a tender touch is what I tell them. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and well, no, cause yeah. like I would show them how to make roses and these big hands holding this small rose tip, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they do it such a good job. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I love teaching that class cause I teach a cake decorating and then, you know, more advanced bake. I teach mm-hmm. beginning bake too, but <laughs> I have a little less patience, I think for giving the basics like i i will do it and i teach it all the time but it's like i like mm. it when they already have a little bit of you know pastry knowledge behind their belt because then like knowledge, we yeah. get i get to push them a little harder and that's how i am as a mm. teacher most students don't end up liking it at first because you know uh, i'm not a nurturer like that so much i'm more of a pusher because mm. i know your potential could be so much more than what you're giving me mm. so i like to push you to give me that, you know, cause I know it's there. Mm. So okay. that's the kind of instructor that I am. Yeah. I like to push yeah. you to give me your, mm. your best, because when you do give it to me, it's like, there it was, I knew it was there, you know, and that's the kind of instructor mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. Well, I feel like maybe you had the same thing when you went to culinary school, you know, like with certain right. chefs, like pushing you. Yeah. I think that push is important. Cause if for me, like I need, I like to be pushed because even, even you and Mm -hmm. I, we learn so much every day now. Like Mm -hmm. I think as pastry chefs, we never stop learning. There's so much more out of what we do. Well, and you shouldn't stop learning, but even I'm open to my assistants and their ideas. Like here, Mm -hmm. they're all from different countries, you know? I mean, I'm open to that too. And different flavors. Like, why not? Why not? You know, they're part of the team. So I'm not just because I'm the chef doesn't mean, oh, I have to say everything, you know, like 
I, I like to be open to other ideas. That's rare, Kat. You know that. Like a lot of chefs in our position are not open to that because we, you know, they think, oh, we know everything. And it's like, we don't know everything. You know, we don't. No, but also I like to give the assistants a chance too to use their own ideas and make them feel better about what they're doing. You know, like every day I'm giving them brownie batter and like... <laughs> <laughs> like cookie dough, like all the stuff that I hated doing, you know, and they do such a good yeah. job. So I'm like, okay, think of a dessert <laughs> idea. <laughs> and that's good. I think we're also, we learned from what we didn't like from our previous chefs mm -hmm. and we don't want to replicate mm -hmm. it, you know? So that's true. Yeah, yeah. We treat everybody with respect in the kitchen. And I think that's important too, is in the pastry world, in the chef world, mm -hmm in this world, you know, that we're so immersed in, it's like we came from a time and a culinary school and restaurants that were very much, you're going to do this, that's it, your input is not needed, do A, B, C, and that's it, mm. you know, whereas, yeah. you know, now in, in what we do, we're very much like, well, what do you think? What do you like? What flavors do you think we should do here? Like, you know, like, involving yeah. that and i think that's really important and i think that's a way that our industry is yeah. moving in a positive direction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's definitely give and take you know because mm -hmm. assistants always want to see how far they can take it that's <laughs> for sure you know and i'm like <laughs> well, that too yeah <laughs> well so i i feel like we could talk for like freaking like three hours but i want to talk about so we were almost on a show together and yeah, when I lived in New York, did, yes. like a year ago, we were very almost on Crime Scene Kitchen, but then we didn't make it. I feel like we were maybe like 5% away or something stupid. Um. <laughs> well, who really knows? <laughs> then again, I think everything happens for a reason. Um, yes. And, you know, that was right before you were going to Aspen and you had this. So yeah. I think everything had to happen in the way it did, but... It was a bummer that yeah. we didn't get the show, but yeah. Well, it would have been so fun to be on the show together. I mean, I'm not saying we never will. There's still that, you know There's I mean? still time. Um, There's still time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we were like practicing techniques and practicing, you know, like different recipes. Well, but, I but will then... say that I will still forever look at a decois and think of your face. <laughs> what, what do you mean? What was my face? What was my face? Every time it was like a freaking decois. <laughs> People are like, what the hell is a decois? Um, when, Kat, when, when Kat and I were practicing or like getting ready for this uh, show, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like every single thing we watched was a decois. Everything. <laughs> it's like, how many times like, could what? they make a decois? How many times? <laughs> Well, but it's like, but they, they didn't make it all the time, but the people always guessed, oh my God, it's gotta be Dacquois, you know? It's like, okay, how many times have you ever seen a Dacquois in a kitchen? Like, I know. Once or and twice. I'm like, what? I've only made it. I've only made it like once. <laughs> I've only made this once. What the hell? Why is this so popular right yeah. now? But then, so we didn't make it on the show together, but then through that whole thing, you got to be on a Food Network show for uh, Halloween. Yes. So um, 
actually like the same day that we were talking about crimes and kitchen um mm-hmm. uh, they came to me for halloween baking championship season eight and i told them no because we were up for crimes and kitchen and we were like in the right, finalists. There's all these rules you, yeah, yeah yeah and there are all these rules we can't like apply to both and so i was very honest with them and i said oh no i'm already um you know gonna choose crime scene kitchen over over that because you and i were already mm-hmm. invested but literally they came yeah. to me same day so yeah. <clears throat> the day that you and i found out that we weren't going to be on that season um mm-hmm. i messaged the lady and um i told her hey i'm i'm not uh going out for that anymore i just want to let you know because she asked me to keep her in the loop and so she literally mm. two seconds later she called me <laughs> and she said yeah uh are you still open to do halloween baking championship and i said uh yeah sure and so it was like like <laughs> well i just want to say before then you were like i'm not into halloween yeah uh, you, know, you know i'm gonna be like... very honest i've never been too into halloween my husband is the one that's all about dressing up and <laughs> You know, like my husband will go on a journey for 12 months to curate the perfect Halloween costume. Like (laughs) it is a process for him. And I want to say it's his favorite part about having children is he gets to dress Mm -hmm. them up in costumes. (laughs) It's like his, his passion. And I remember we moved into this house. We moved in here and he went all out on decorations the first year he went i mean this man oh my god i can just you know what you saying that you saying that i can just see your face like like what are you doing like he was all about it i'm just looking at him like don't Mm -hmm. expect me to help you do this right like you're doing this all on your own and he went all out there was decor outside it was like flashing lights and all kinds of things and we didn't have one trick-or-treater like not one we live on a hill cat dog and no one wants to walk up this hill (laughs) and he was totally heartbroken like his heart was shattered into a million pieces and wait what do you mean but everybody now drives from door to door. I know right? this, but they he was drive all up excited. He was dressed up. <laughs> he was like, had like 600 bowls of candy ready to hand out. And we had no one. And he was so Aww. sad. I know. So um, that's my husband in a nutshell. Like, I love him, but he's totally into Halloween. And I've never been a big Halloween person. Like, well, yeah. Him and I got invited to a costume party. Okay, mm-hmm. and it, they they said you got to dress up as rock stars, um, and I'm just like, oh no, oh no, like I start panicking, <laughs> like oh no. So I don't even remember what my husband dressed up as. I have no idea. All I know is we had to go to the costume store, and I said, I guess I'm gonna be Dolly Parton. I was Dolly Parton for a <laughs> like a like rock star. Um, a costume party and I walked in everybody's like slash and all these like like leather with like spiky hair from like the 90s and I walk in mm. in this very animated huge boobed like Dolly Parton outfit and I was like oh no <laughs> I gotta be in this for the next three hours this is embarrassing <laughs> but yeah I'm not a big oh. dress-up person I never have been so yeah, yeah when 
they said Halloween. I was like, I remember calling you. I was like, cat dog. I don't know what I know. I'm going to do. Yeah, but then we talked through it, and then you did some awesome stuff. Thanks. And then you freaking got on the show, and then all <laughs> your stuff was awesome. I don't even... And now you're like a Halloween fanatic. I don't even... <laughs> a Halloween fanatic? I like making things that push the envelope. Like, you know, on mm. the show, I got to do a, real, a lot of cool stuff. And I remember, like... Mm talking to you about it and I'm like hey if if they need this I'm gonna do this or if I need to do this I'm gonna do yeah. this like I have these cool ideas I hope I get to incorporate them right and it mm -hmm. was like you're like yeah that's cool that's cool but it's probably it was probably hard for you to picture it like no well, what is she gonna do <laughs> well some of it like but we talked through the worms remember where we do the worms out of the straws and yeah I, don't know, I like... was like oh I think I want to incorporate worms somehow and I got to do it which is mm -hmm. really cool um yeah. which was a whole pain in my ass but it was really cool there was, i got to push the envelope mm. a lot and i just got to play which was totally fun because in our industry we never just get to play with our food mm. yeah well even though being on a show i mean like you said super stressful it's like it was so stressful i had ptsd <laughs> for a very long time yeah. um <laughs> i mean it's real like it's a real competition you really have that time limit you really you know yeah. You're in a kitchen. You're not used to baking in. Well, not just that. You were telling me how the KitchenAids didn't even have the proper size attachments. Oh, let's not even get into that. Oh. Or there's a cameraman following you everywhere. You're mic'd all the time. And, yes. and there's like cords on the floor that nobody can see. And then people are <laughs> tripping all over the place. It's like, this is the part that nobody talks about on these shows. I know. You know what I mean? I know. And it's like, I'll, I'll talk about what I can talk about. But it's like, yeah, yeah you know, like... The, you know, in the middle of the whole area, there's cameramen because, yeah. you know, there's there's 12 there was 12 of us in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, the whole middle section of the kitchen is camera people and you can't run across. Yeah. So they called it the horse track. So we had to literally run the horse track around the kitchen to get anything. And mm -hmm. we weren't familiar with it. So imagine plucking yourself out of your kitchen and putting you in a foreign kitchen saying, OK, go. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, what, what? It's stressful. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, they took us through and they showed us things, but like, we had no idea how to turn on the induction burners. We didn't know how to mm. turn on the ovens. We, you know, mm. we weren't able to see if they were calibrated. We weren't like, we got to see like yeah. basically where everything was in our station, but it's like, if you needed a sheet pan, it was on one end of the kitchen. Parchment paper was on the other end of the kitchen. So you like literally had to keep running and oh there's your time. I know it's stressful. Yeah. And then meanwhile, you know, all mm. these gas lines and stuff are running underneath. So there's these little humps. So we'd, <laughs> I made a point of always saying hump when I'd see it. And they're like, do you have to say that every time? I'm like, <laughs> yes, because if not, I am the person that would hit it and fly <laughs> and like, like my knee would fall off or something like <laughs> that that sounds like me i feel like i'm like clumsy you know what i mean yeah, like that's me i'm super clumsy mm. and so i'm like i would be the person that would totally eat it and be embarrassed and but you did themselves you didn't i fell once but i totally oh. didn't like I, it wasn't bad. Like, it okay. wasn't horrible. Because <laughs> you're saying one day, like, three people <laughs> fell or something. I know. Like... I know. Like, poor Zach fell and he skinned his knee and it was like gushing blood. And, oh and then Alexi, like, he was running with something and he totally flew. But yeah, I know. It's funny because we, we all would fall at one, one spot or another. But yeah, it, it, the coolest part of doing the show were the people by far. Mm -hmm. Like, 
the coolest people we all were doing at the same time so we kind of experienced trauma at the same time yeah kind of. yeah yeah you can relate <laughs> we all kind of bonded mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. our trauma mm-hmm. yeah we all still talk every day we're on this like group chat and that's cool. it's really cool they're well, really good people yeah because you flew to nashville and it was like in this small town in nashville and then you call me like pretty much every day just kind of t- <laughs> just talk about the stress. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm talking to you about like, yeah. man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. this is and I'm like, no, <laughs> you've got this. You can do it. <laughs> yeah. You like helped uh, talk me off the ledge sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, whatever. That's awesome. I supported you on there. Um, <laughs> but well, so being on the show, do you feel like that helped you? you could do this again or would you not want to do it again so if you ask me right after the show was filmed um would i do it again i would have said hell no You're like hell no yeah <laughs> you did, I did. You said, I said hell no, hell no. <laughs> it was so stressful <laughs> it was like it was you know i can work in a kitchen 14 16 hours that's fine right <laughs> it's totally <laughs> fine it's a different experience when it's mental also so it's like the mm-hmm. mental aspect mm-hmm. of it, having to do interviews, having to like think about what you're doing before you're you're in the split moment. You have like mm-hmm. 20 minutes left, all the things you have to do mm-hmm. in that moment. And it's like thinking on your feet. Mm-hmm. It was it played a big like it was a lot of stress. Like it was very, very much like mm-hmm. messed with your mind a lot. And so I was like. I'm not into it. Mm. Like I can take it all day long, but you know, like it's, it's just, it was too much. And then now I look back on, I was like, I would totally do it again. Bring it. Like (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's like childbirth where like, you kind of forget. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't know about that, but uh, I don't know about childbirth, but (laughs) um well, because you were saying you had to do so many costume changes, like you had to do interview costume changes, back to chef costume change, you know, and then change your hair all the time yeah. and then your makeup. I mean, that sounds insane. Yeah, it's, you know, TV, you got to keep going back and forth. So yeah. we would go for interview yeah. to back in the kitchen to interviews back in the kitchen. And I wish they had told mm-hmm. me like, hey, you're going to have to straighten your hair 14 times today because I would go from ponytail <laughs> to straight to ponytail to straight. And like, <laughs> I think it was Jill who named my... um my straightening and my straightening iron she named it old yeller mm-hmm. because like i would drag it around the room back and forth from the outlet in the mirror <laughs> just straightening my hair and putting it back up in a ponytail and straightening it and putting it back in a ponytail well so i know that you do orders too at home for people so if somebody wanted to contact you and they were living i do in the la area i don't need to be doing orders really but i found people come to me from like friends and Instagram. And, you know, I get, I get direct message like a couple a day. I want, I want to say, and a lot of the times I'm busy, so I can't do it anyway. And my, my, you know, my schedule is psychotic, but when I can do it, I do. And then that person refers me Mm -hmm. to like 16 other people. And then I keep getting, so it's like, Mm -hmm. It's all word of mouth, and I don't know how they find me, but when I can do it, I do it, <laughs> like wedding cakes or birthday cakes or whatever. It's, you know, for me, it's just fun. What's your Instagram? My Instagram is at Chef Christy Desher. A lot of people from watching the show, you just send me messages and stuff, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. 
And that's also how I find out that it's on like repeat somewhere or Food Network is showing it again. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I'll have all these people messaging me. I'm like, what is happening? Oh, they're rerunning the show. Got it. What is the last thing you'd like to say as far as people in the industry? Um, maybe if they're like, you know, not feeling as inspired or having the chefs yell at them every day, like what is one thing you'd, you think is important for people in the industry to, to know and to look forward to? Well, I, you know, in this industry, you need to have a thick skin. Um, <clears throat> one thing is that not everybody's going to like what you make, you know, it's, everybody's got their own style. Everybody has their own palette. Mm -hmm. They have, you know, everybody has their own things that they like and don't like. So not everybody's going to like everything that you make and that's okay. You know, it's important to have a thick skin. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I think like we've been talking about, it's really important never to stop learning. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's very important. So it's like, if I'm making something and I've never made it before, I get mm -hmm. super excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to totally do something new today. This is so cool. Whereas sometimes we get into monotony and then we never get out of that monotony as chefs. You know, we do the same thing all the time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a part of it too is mm -hmm. one, have a thick skin, but also yeah. two, realize that you never stop learning. Always try to improve yourself and indulge in these areas that you're not too familiar with you know like especially when you and i were trying out for that show you know you were super strong in chocolate at the time and i am not a chocolate person let's just be quite honest like when i had to temper chocolate on the show i was super annoyed because i'm like oh i'm about to do this on television like this is uh this is like uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then you did it and it was great <laughs> You know, like, well, yeah, I know how yeah. to do it. I just don't like it. It's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, so that's true. it's like, mm -hmm. and it's like, how often do you temper chocolate? Well, uh, you know, unless you're doing for something very specific, I don't temper chocolate too often. So if you're making pastries, not that much. Right. You know what I mean? It's, right. Yeah. Unless you're doing chocolate work or, you know, mm -hmm. dipping or something very specific, then you're tempering. But, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah, I wasn't super strong in chocolate. So guess what? I practice it a lot more, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. if it's something you want to get better at, you can keep improving. You can always improve for sure. You know? Yeah. And never stop improving. It's, it's very important to just keep that craft sharp. Like just like anything else, you got to practice it in order to, you know, keep it up. Thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> you know, talking with me today. If anybody wants to contact chef Christy, then message her on Instagram. Thank you so much for being on the show. Until next time, you can join me on Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. If you like the show, then follow me. Otherwise, you can follow me on Instagram at Chef KB or on YouTube at Cat the Baker.